0: Hello, welcome to the Market Weekly podcast. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and this week I'm joined by Delphine Riu, ESG Research Analyst with our Sustainability Center, and Ramon Esterellas, Investment Specialist, uh, and they're with me to discuss inclusive growth. Inclusive growth is part of ESG, environmental, social, and governance, I and mean, we've all heard uh, the term ESG—it's become increasingly topical, frankly, uh, with the pandemic over the last years. We think more broadly of some of these uh, macro forces that we're that we're living with and that are affecting us, uh, and certainly becoming more mainstream. Uh, and in fact, from what I understand, last year uh, you had a lot of outflows in terms of investments in traditional asset classes, whereas ESG-related funds and strategies continue to see inflows. So certainly a topic that's uh, seen increasing interest on the part of investors, and we anticipate that that interest uh, is going to continue to to rise. Uh, That said, I would imagine that many of our listeners are not necessarily so familiar with the concept of inclusive growth. So maybe the first question for you, Delphine, uh, where does an inclusive growth fit exactly within an ESG framework? Uh, And then secondarily, how did you come to single out inclusive growth uh, as an investment opportunity?
1: The background of the strategy comes from the observation that social inequalities, they have increased over the past 20 years. And it is fair to say that now the majority of the people on the planet, they live in countries where income inequalities are bigger than they were a generation ago. And last year, as you said, last year in 2020, the pandemic and the Black Lives Matters protest, they shed light uh, on these inequalities. And this issue has been identified by BNP Paribas Asset Management and has been labeled as being strategic, actually, for our global sustainable strategy that we launched in 2019. This Global Sustainable Strategy is oriented to achieve one goal. It's to foster a sustainable future and to deliver sustainable returns over the long term. And this goal is supported by three key pillars in our investment process. The first one is energy transition. The second one is environmental sustainability. And the third one is equality and inclusive growth. So this is the context. And so what is inclusive growth specifically? It's an economic growth that is distributed fairly across society and that creates opportunity for all. This is OECD definition. And the focus has been a lot in the news about income inequality, but it's even broader than just focusing on income inequality. It's about living in good condition, in good health. So inclusive growth is also about access to health access to education, for instance. And so social inequalities, they are multiple. And the vicious circle is that they can reinforce one each other, especially in the US. So we we interpret inequalities as being resulting from discrimination linked to gender, linked to discrimination in access to education, linked to age, to race, to disability. And all this, means that the best way to fight economic exclusion is to apprehend it from several angles. And I raised upon here because it is a differentiating characteristic of our strategy to tackle the diverse dimension of inequalities. And we believe that companies, they have a role to play in reducing inequalities, given their major role in society while doing business profitably. And of course, we believe that us, investors, we have to play a critical role as well by ensuring that we take into account the social dimension in our investment analysis. And to everything is done to ensure a sustainable future and to deliver sustainable returns over the long term. And there are two preconditions for that. The first one is stability, and the second one is efficiency of our economic system. The problem is that widening inequalities pose a threat to stability and efficiency. The first one for stability, economic inclusion is central to people's well-being. And a number of studies have shown that people who are economically vulnerable, they tend to retreat from social and political life. And in parallel, economic inclusion also undermines the idea of meritocracy and all this leads to social tension that can promote populist policies and therefore can affect the climate for doing business and investment the second precondition is efficiency and the situation of inequalities is detrimental for the economy because the economy is deprived of talents of productive potential that cannot be expressed and the administration board of the financial times published a letter in December 2020, it's a, it was a kind of New Year wishes letter. And what they wrote was very inspiring. They said the very existence of precaria proves that resources, whatever resources are, human, physical, organizational, are being wasted. A polarized economy is not just unfair, it is inefficient.
0: Great, so next question then. Uh, it's a very good explanation of, of what you're trying to achieve. But then how does the setup of the strategy help you capture that opportunity?
1: So from this observation analysis that I just spoke about, um, we set up a five pillar framework that make the connection between company practices and inclusive practices. And this is what we call the five pillar of action for companies to help to reduce inequality. And the first one is creating a safety net for the most fragile. Which means robust social standards practices, such as offering decent job for employees and also decent job for employees in the supply chain. The second one pillar is investing in social mobility by upskilling people. The third one is developing a quality offer which is accessible to low-income people. There is a focus on products that are the foundation of social progress, such as health, education, energy, housing, but not only. It is also about digital access or mobility access, which are now predominant to get a job. The fourth pillar is about ensuring that the company looks at what is in the long-term interest of the firm, all together with the committee and the society interest. This goes through appropriate compensation schemes and through respect of ethics of business, such as fair competition, tax transparency, and avoiding to influence the rules of the game through lobbying. And the fifth pillar is about decarbonization and protection of biodiversity. And the topic, uh, the topic environmental, it is very important because climate change is going to be a major driver of inequalities, because it's going to eat the most vulnerable population. And so these five pillars, are the philosophy of our strategy. And this is the backbone of our in-house data model. So I'm going to speak about the data model. What we do is that we break down these five pillars into ESG themes and then to relevant ESG indicators. So for instance, for the first pillar, we use percentage of temporary worker, collective bargaining agreement, turnover rate. For the second pillar, we use percentage women in the management, diversity program, etc. For the fourth pillar, we look at CEO to mean employees per ratio, tax transparency, and the, we finally end up with the S pillar, with social indicator, which is prominent in the data model with above sixty percent of weight. This data model enables us to score the entire investment universe of the strategy, which is benchmarked against the MSCI World Developed Index. I have to mention here that we have been helped by financial engineers of BNP Paribas Asset Management to design the data model. We need them because as you may know, social data are very hard to track down. And the innovation here in the data model is that we are able to use different providers. We make them comparable and we integrate them into the scoring model. So we ensure that we use the best data set existing in the marketplace. And also our engagement efforts through stewardship programs and through ESG integration across all strategy enable us to enrich the quality of the data. So we end up with a score for all the companies uh, from zero to 100, and companies with a score below 20 are excluded from investment. And at the end of the day, the result is an investment universe that is truly focused on the S and on inclusive practices.
0: I'm going to turn to you now, Ramon. Everything that Delphine has shared with us sounds fantastic, but I'll be honest, I'm not sure I see exactly where the investment opportunity lies. So my question is, how do you get from this concept of inclusive growth uh, and turn that into something you can invest in? How do you go about selecting the stocks uh, to build your portfolio?
2: Um, actually, that, that's a whole point. It's a very interesting question. Thank you, Daniel. We, we are uh, convinced that companies that have an inclusive growth mindset have actually opportunities to achieve better results. And there are many ways in which they can do this, by developing employee skills to enhance innovation, by paying fair wages to support employee engagement, by fostering workplace diversity so that employees understand customer needs better and can turn underserved markets into successful business segments, um, by forging, of course, long-term relationships with suppliers, to ensure the quality and safety of supply chains, very important, by working on the safety and protection of, of consumers to guarantee their well-being and loyalty by respecting ethical rules of conduct to safeguard a company's social uh, license to operate. So with inclusive growth, um, what, what we want to do is actually to invest in companies that strive to reduce Uh, social inequalities while doing business profitably. And and there's been a lot of research uh, that has shown that companies that best manage their environmental and social impact and that have better governance practices are actually more profitable in the medium to long term. And numerous studies on this topic have demonstrated there's a positive correlation between sustainable business practices and economic um, profitability. Uh, There's also reliable research by by Oxford University and others that confirm that good sustainability and ESG correlate with lower operating costs. You just heard about um, uh, Delphine, how we score companies on their inclusive practices. And after this first selection step, we we are actually left with an inclusive growth universe of about 1,000 companies. Uh, Next, in the idea generation process, we we do apply quantitative screens uh, and internal and external expertise to to obtain a more focused um, list of investment candidates. We do conduct in-depth fundamental research uh, to assess the growth prospects and, of course, the sustainability of the company's strategy, its financial position and ESG profile and the skills of the management team. And then we're going to set up a target price for each investment case. And, and our portfolio, uh, finally, uh, in this strategy will be, will be built on our strongest convictions, uh, which means that this uh, the, the way the investment process or the, the process results in a very concentrated portfolio of around 40 to 60 names. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Ramon.
0: Uh, I think that's all we have time for today. But if I can summarize... Some of the things that Delphine and Ramon have shared with us, the key realization is of the many consequences uh, of the pandemic, uh, one has been a realization, a sensibilization to inequality uh, in terms of access to healthcare, access to work, and the goal of the strategy, and, and hopefully also one of the goals of BMP as an organization, uh, is to address those inequalities. And within the strategy, the goal is to support sustainable returns by addressing inequality, Uh, and searching for inclusive growth. Now, the way you implement this idea, uh, the team has a framework which connects company practices with inclusive practices, and they focus on that framework as they go about selecting uh, the stocks that they invest in. The fundamental belief, though, is that companies with an inclusive growth mindset have the potential to generate better results. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you do have any further questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. My thanks to Delphine and Ramon for sharing their insights. Please do join us next week when I'll be speaking with Cedric Schultz and Jenny Yu on the outlook for inflation, a quite topical uh, subject for the market these days. Until then, we hope you stay safe and take care.